Merry Christmas, everybody. We're so excited for today and tomorrow and time with family. Some of you have traveled a long distance to be here, so we're honored that you would join us for, for church today. How many of you are looking forward to tomorrow, sitting around the couch, eating, eating, more eating, football, more eating, and then there's something I'm forgetting. Kids, what am I forgetting that happens tomorrow? Open presents. You see, that's awesome. This is one of the presents under my tree. As you can tell, I wrapped it because I'm that gifted. If this whole ministry thing doesn't work out, I'm going into the mall. But man, doesn't this thing just excite you when you see it under your tree? Doesn't this just bring you a lot of joy when you go to the store or maybe you shop online, you buy it? Does this just warm your heart? Yeah, I know your bank sure doesn't like it because that means money is leaving the bank and going somewhere else, but it brings us joy. It brings us joy to give it, and I know, kids, you, you would agree with me. Say amen, kids. It brings you joy when you receive it. Say amen. There you go. This brings us so much joy, but this is not Christmas. This is not truly what Christmas is all about. If this was the only thing that Christmas was about, it'd still be fun, right? We love getting presents. But there's a joy found at Christmas time that brings us greater joy than any package under our tree can provide. Because truthfully, let's be honest, parents, you know this, and we do it anyway. We buy things for our children because we love them, we care about them, but we know well and good that gift is only going to last for so long. When we buy things for our spouses, our friends, families, we know that the gift is only going to last so long. But what if there was a joy that would last for eternity? What if there was a joy that would bring salvation? What if there was a joy that could take some of your darkest days and make them bright? What if there was a joy that would change your life? We believe that's found in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is joy to the world. Why else would we sing a hymn talking about joy of the world? Because we believe joy is a person named Jesus Christ that can absolutely and eternally change your life. And so many years ago, a gentleman by the name of Isaac Watts, back in, he was back in England, and he was a great writer. He was a poet. When he was a kid, his problem with church was that he hated the church music. He just didn't like it. It was boring. It made him drowsy. Some of you are like, we know. And his dad is sitting there, and I can imagine the conversation in church because I used to have, you know, you draw on the paper, and that's why the kids have the boxes. They can draw pictures and everything. But he's sitting there. He's like, he makes a comment to his dad, the, the, the historian, say, I don't like the music. And his dad just looks at him and says, well, son, if you don't think you can like the music, then do it better. Challenge accepted. Isaac Watts went on to not only write Joy of the World, but he wrote 750 hymns coming from poems that he had written, things that he had read out of the Bible. And all of these hymns, have many of them have stood the test of time, and we still sing them today. But Joy to the World is one that we sing all the time at Christmas. The funny thing about that is, it's not a Christmas hymn. It's not even a Christmas carol. But there's so much teaching and there's so much value in that song that it reminds us that while we will get a lot of these tomorrow, there is a greater joy that exists. There's a joy that will surpass anything that we will find under the tree, and that is Jesus Christ. So I want to read the stanzas to you. I won't sing because I would ruin your Christmas. 
But the stanzas go like this. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Second verse says, joy the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Verse 3, no more let sin and sorrows grow. No thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. There's so much teaching in four verses of a song that it's worth us talking just a few minutes today. And let me encourage you with this hymn, with this carol that we sing so often. The first thing is joy of the world, the Lord has come, or the Lord has come. We need to understand that joy is here. Joy is in Jesus Christ. I love what it says right here. Let earth receive her king. That means there's somebody here that we need to embrace. There's somebody in our lives that we need to adopt and we need to build a relationship with. Let us receive him because he's the king. And the last time I checked, without getting too political, we all could use a king that makes us celebrate. Amen? We, we have this king with Jesus Christ, and the greatest thing is he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Let earth receive and prepare him room. David writes this in Psalm 98, verses 4 through 6. He says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth, and burst into song and make music. Make music to the Lord with harps, and with harps the sound of singing. Blow the trumpets and the sheep's horns. Shout for joy to the Lord the King. Man, every time I think about Jesus and I think about what he's done in my life and what he's, what he's been blessing me with this year and how many things he's worked out in the lives of my friends, man, there's a lot of reason to shout for joy for Jesus Christ. Because even in some of our darkest days, we made it through. In some of our greatest celebrations, we knew that it came because of Jesus Christ. In some of those moments where we didn't know which way to go, somehow Jesus provided a way. Only a king that loves us that much would do that for us. And there's reason to shout for joy. We sing for shout the joy because it talks about Jesus' arrival. What Isaac Watts is here, he's not only talking about Jesus' birth, but he's also talking about Jesus' second coming. And so when he says, make room, make prepared, get ready, shout for joy, it's because not only did Jesus come many thousands of years ago as a small baby, but he lived, he died, he resurrected, and he's going to come again. And I can't wait for Jesus to return. I know that sounds weird. It sounds like, wouldn't you miss your family? I promise you, my family right now, everybody knows Jesus in my family. We're all going together. And there will be such joy when we get to see the people that have gone before us. We are so excited because Jesus brings us joy. And he has come and we are reason to shout for that joy. Luke says this in the gospel that many of you will read today. It says, the angel said to them, to not, uh, do not be afraid because I am bringing you good news that will be a great joy. So I love it that when Jesus enters the scene, he enters the scene with great joy. I mean, how of you have like, you know, you got to warm up to the crowd a little bit? The introverts in the room, you're like, I'm still, I'm getting warm because the air's getting a little warm in here and I'm not sure if all these people are going to shake my hand again or not. We got to warm up and build relationships. When Jesus comes in, there's no need to build. It's just straight joy. He's glad to be here. He's excited to be here. He's a man on a mission, and he came for you. And man, that brings joy to my face because Jesus is just such a loving king that he enters the world with great joy. So amazing that he would do that. The best part is the birth of Jesus is only part of the story. 
I love it that because Jesus is here, kind of the thing that, that Isaac Watts shares in the second verse is, let men their songs employ. So I had to look that up. I was like, well, are we talking about then I need to become a musician and make people pay for these songs that I'm now singing? Not necessarily. What Isaac Watts is saying here is because joy is present, because Jesus is here, we need to work to share with the world that joy is around everywhere. If Jesus is in your heart, then he can be anywhere in the world he wants to be. Let's proclaim it, let's work for it, and let's share it with Jesus. So if you've been in a church a long time, you've been a part of the, the, the kingdom, and you have a relationship with Jesus, our mission doesn't stop with salvation. Our mission begins with salvation and ends when we get into eternity. And in between, we are to employ the joy that God has given to us and share it with whoever we come in contact with. So at Christmas time, as you look at presents and you look at things, don't look at this as the end-all joy. Share with people where a source of joy comes from, that being Jesus Christ. I love what Paul says in Philippians. He says it this way. He says, be full of joy in the Lord always. I will say it again, be full of joy. How incredible that a New Testament writer, someone that had a kind of a checkered past, if you read through the scriptures, all of a sudden found his relationship with Jesus and there is nothing but joy. That tells me something about Jesus, that even if we come from a broken past, even if we don't have, let's say, the, the, the prettiest life, that when Jesus enters the scene, all we can do is be full of joy because nothing that we had done before matters anymore when Jesus is in our hearts. Anything that may have happened before us doesn't matter because Jesus is in our hearts. We are so excited for you to be here because we as a church wanted to share with you the Jesus that is in our hearts and in our church. We're so excited you're here because we wanted to employ to you. We wanted to show you, not by just verbiage, not by just clever songs and, and a fun time. We wanted to show you that Jesus is real by how we interact, how we connect with one another and just show you that you're welcome because it's important for us to show the joy. David writes this in Psalm 16. He says, you will teach me. He's talking about God. God, you will teach me how to live a holy life. And then he says this, and being with you, God, he says, it will bring me and make me full of joy. How incredible that this Christmas time, you could walk in here not knowing who Jesus is, but you could walk out of this room today and you could be filled with the joy of Jesus Christ that won't last for a season. It'll last for eternity. And I love what David writes. He said, being with you brings me joy. And I know not every day is perfect. I know not every day is gonna be just rainbow and sunshines, obviously. But I do know this, in my lifetime, one day with Jesus brings me all the joy that I could ever need. And I don't, need, I don't get Jesus for one day. I get him for eternity. How incredible that we get to employ. The third stanza is very, it's often forgotten because, you know, when you're a Baptist like I am and you're a Baptist like many of you are, we forget the third stanza many times, do we not? Sometimes it's the second, but this is the kind of the, the orphan verse of this scripture here. We just kind of put it out there. We don't sing it a lot. But it's important because he says this. He says, let no more sins or sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Look at one more time. Let no more sin or sorrow grow. Let no more thorns infest the ground. For you, that means that no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from, when Jesus becomes a part of your life, no more do you have to worry about it. He becomes the greatest gardener in the world, and he starts pulling everything that you don't need and replace it with his joy. 
And I love that, you know, if you think about the song, if you've been around enough times, we sing it three times at last, that last little part of the stanza, right? We sing it, as far as the curse is found, as far as the curse is found. But back up just a minute. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. We sing that three times. Think about it this way. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found in my past. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found in my present. And he will come to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found in my future. I don't think there's, a, there's any con- uh, you know, connection there that we could say, oh, that's just coincidence. This is real. Isaac Watts gives us a chance to sing these things three times to remind us that what happened in the past is no more. What happens in the present is not the end. What happens in the future is where we're headed. And Jesus is saying here, and Isaac Watts is responding here with his his writing of Psalm 98, as far as the curse is found, Jesus is the joy of my life, and no more sin or sorrow will grow. Man, that's that's some good joy that we need. That's some good encouragement that some of you desperately needed because you've been hanging on, that people are judging you by what you've done, and we're telling you, hey, when Jesus enters the scene, as far as the curse is found, joy to the world, because he is your king. And I love the last stanza. We sing it quite often. He is full of truth and grace. Full of truth and grace. Man, how many of you would like some more people full of truth and grace in your life? Y'all would love to work for a person that was full of truth and grace, would you not? You'd love to live with some people in your house that were full of truth and grace. And maybe they need a little more grace or maybe they need a little more truth, but you would love to have that person. For me, the person that lives with truth and grace is found in one, and that's Jesus Christ. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove, meaning everybody that gets to experience this, and everybody will at some point in their life. I believe it. You will get to see how good and how great our God is, and he will be full of truth and grace, and he will bring you joy that will last for eternity. And then he continues on, the glories of his righteousness and one of the favorite things in the wonders of his love In the past, he will show you the wonders of his love to get you to the present. In the present, he will show you the wonders of his love to get you to the future. And in the future, when we see Jesus in eternity, and we see him in heaven, we will definitely know the wonders of his love. How incredible we could find this joy. John says this, he says, And the word became flesh and took up residence among us. As he's basically in his introduction to his gospel, he's, he's telling us where this, this person comes from. He said, this is not just the word. The word became flesh, and he became a part of us, and he took up residence among us, that we observed his glory, the glory of as only the one and only son from the Father, full of truth and grace. I love it. Isaiah, when he was prophesying about Jesus during the Old Testament, he says, I will make known the Lord's faithful love, And the praiseworthy acts because of all that the Lord has done for us, even the many good things that he has done for the house of Israel and he's done for them based on his compassion, he's done it out of the abundance of his faithful love. This morning, we're going to do something that feels a little weird. And if you're not from church, this might be something that you just want to observe. And we welcome that opportunity. Parents, we're going to enter into a time of communion and some of your children are going to, they're going to want to reach. And and I would just encourage you, if, if your children are not Uh, with the Lord, they don't have a relationship with him, just have them observe, and let's let this be a teaching moment. But here as we enter into our time of communion, we want you to see that the Jesus that we're talking about, 
the Lord God above that came into this world, that we celebrate his birthday. We celebrate that birthday. It is because he had a purpose to live and to die for us. And that sounds weird that we would celebrate that at his birth, but it's so important that we, we grow Jesus up and we don't let him stay a baby because his life was meaningful. His life had purpose, and the purpose is you. He came and to be a part of this world, he became flesh. He brought joy. He brought compassion. He brought truth. He brought grace so that you could receive him. So this morning, as we enter into that time of communion, we're going to celebrate that, that death and that purpose. And I know it seems a little weird, but I promise you, as you hear about the elements and we begin to teach just a little bit in this moment, you will see that by one drop of his blood, you could be free for eternity. Now, wouldn't that be great for Christmas? Some of you could be free from the past, free from your sins, free from the things that are causing you such angst and grief. That could be found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So before we enter into that time, I want to pray for you. I'm going to invite you in this moment, if you would like to receive Jesus, that you would have that opportunity. And then we're going to go into communion, and we're going to teach about it. We're going to celebrate it together, the Lord's Supper as we continue to feel and experience the joy of Christmas found in Jesus Christ.